When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode of the Mind Sculptors podcast is sponsored by TCG Player, your source for all your trading card game needs. Use our link in the description the next time you get your cards to help support the show. Today's episode is also made possible by our Patreon subscribers. If you want to support the show directly, head over to patreon.com forward slash the Mind Sculptors and you can become part of the Sculpty family today. Or if you don't want to do any of that, leave a like and comment on YouTube or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts as an offering to Algorithm Jesus. I'm your uh, one of your hosts, Cal. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, what's it? What's it say? Butsio, Butsios, and Fart Smasher. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay. Butsios and Fart, Fart Smasher is my uh, co-host today. Hell yeah! <laughs> How are you doing today, Butsios? Is it okay if I call you Butsios? I, I prefer Fart Smasher. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry, Mister Butsios. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> although now, I do kind of like Fartios and Butt Smasher a lot better. Fartios and Butt <laughs> It definitely uh, rolls off the tongue a lot better than Buttsios and Fart Smasher. It definitely <laughs> has a a certain you know a certain Rabbit nosh yeah, yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah. 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 They're both very powerful, I will say. They're very powerful. <laughs> they really leave a mark. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Today we're talking about Thrasios and Vile Smasher, the partner oh. pairing that the two of us have been kind of talking about as like sleeper deck mm-hmm. pick, like one of our better, like, I, I f- it feels disingenuous to call it a fringe deck. Because like, oh, no, I, I would have a lot of trouble calling it that for sure. Yeah. But like it, <laughs> it, it sits on the outskirts of the like meta at, because it's like uh, a deck that maybe doesn't get as much play as perhaps other partner pairings. Um, but it is something that you and I have been like very impressed with. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to talk about it. Uh <laughs> Yeah. So to kind of kick things off with talking about Thras and Vile, uh, I think it would be reasonable of us to kind of talk about the advantages of what the colors bring to the table. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we, we, we've talked about this a lot in the past where you kind of with these Grix, these four color decks, right? You kind of have like, 
Grixis, and then there is a fourth color. And so you have Grixis plus white, Grixis plus green. Um, yep. And so of those options, what are the advantages that green really is bringing to the table here? And what is this color pairing in your eyes doing? Yeah, so I, I think, I mean, for me personally, I'm... Well, I, I should say not only green the color, but like Thrasios particularly, I really mm-hmm. enjoy, right? Because it's it's got that space where it's not quite Rograk, right? It's not as efficiently and low to the ground as Rog is, right? But it's the closest thing we can do while also getting some sort of value off of it, right? A lot of the one mana legends don't allow you to have as many colors as Rograk and Thrasios do, right? So you start to look at like, oh, I don't know, like, like the, what are the one mana partner things? You start to look at like K nine from the Doctor Who set. I mean, it's start, like it, yeah. it's literally just K nine and Yoshimaru. It is okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So those options are not particularly giving a lot, right? So then we hit to this two mana zone, right? And that's kind of where Thrasios comes in, and then you, you're stuck with like the other two mana options, Akiri and like Francisco Akiri. and stuff like that, right? Yeah, Akiri and Francisco, yeah. Thrasius is by far uh, a, a cut above. Um, the fact that it's an infinite mana outlet is is my particular appeal with this demographic, right? Like, I'm much more of a, like, I, I'll, I'll play a turbo deck any day of the week, right? But if you notice, the turbo deck that I've been playing the most lately is like Tevesh Krom, right? I, for those who are audio only, I stopped to do air quotes because uh, <laughs> it really does lean towards mid range Grixis, right? But so that's a deck that has that thing. But like, it also has these pivots where I can switch the the game plan so i'm attacking on a different axis i can i can go through hole breaker lines you know what i mean i can go for displacer mm-hmm. mutant synergies right the the things that are attacking the deck on a, on a way that you know doesn't fold to certain stacks pieces like granith or, or thorn effect or a rule of law and stuff like that right. or, or if they do fold to those things they fold to them in a way that is you know just a, a sidestep of it, right like it's much more resilient to be able to get a dockside saber tooth off than it is to be able to try and jam a Nas, right? <coughs> So for me, that's a huge appeal of these colors. I mean, Dockside combos and the ability to tutor for Dockside, we talked about this before on the podcast, uh, just very strong right now. Um, I think, you know, some of the big benefits of green in general are like green splash cards, right? So for me, I'm thinking like Abrupt Decay, uh, Calling Ritual, right? Uh, Green tutor plus Dockside, right? Like these, these things that are like green plus other thing uh, are very attractive. And I'm also, uh, thanks to Millennium Gaming, I've been really high on uh, Minsk and Boo lately. I, I find it to be a really just solid value engine. Yeah. Um, yeah, Minsk, it, it's very interesting because, like, I, I think something we have talked about on this show before is mm-hmm. what does green bring to the table in these yeah. ad nauseum strategy? Yeah. And I, I think that's a really hard question to answer because green doesn't work on the same axis if that makes sense it it is much more uh play a card and wait a minute for things to kind of it's a lot less immediate as far as the kind of uh cards that give you advantage uh in this sort of strategy yeah yeah uh so for me, what I looked through, I very much agreed with you on, on that is tutors are a big mm-hmm. thing. The yeah. other thing that I think green brings to the table really well is I think it helps accelerate you and in a way that 
uh maybe only black really can do uh i guess red now um but like the jund core yeah uh of this to me is like part of what makes it very yeah. good yeah um is anybody who's played like rog uh what is it rog uh Ikra. Yeah. yeah rog Ikra uh or dargo Ikra can attest to the fact that like those colors can produce a lot of mana really fast. Uh, so I think part of my like experience with it in is been how to leverage that the best. And yeah. one of the other things that green does really well is it interacts with lands a lot. And yeah. so for me, uh, one of the things that I have really liked is cards like summer bloom, where you get to leverage your green lands or your just lands in general uh where you can have an opening where you know anywhere from oh it's got a bunch of lands in it that's not great oh i have summer bloom in this opening hand that makes this this opening hand a lot better um because now i can dump all of these play my commander and start getting back into the yeah, uh, I mean, even like Tinder, Tinderwall is like just like a strictly better right of flame a lot of the time, right? Yeah, like just like that's that's one I think that we like. I, I don't actually have it in my list that I have up here, which is actually just an objective mistake. I, I need to find a cut for it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think when I built the deck, I somehow spaced on it. But like that, little things like that are even just uh, big ups for the decks that are just these these little micro advantages that they really can start to add up as far as acceleration. Yeah. <clears throat> The other thing about that, though, is that what green does partially because of that is it does some really cool like mana fixing. Like for me, an important card on that regard was Mana Morphos. Yeah. Mana Morphos in a lot of the games I have played with this deck has been like a game winner. Uh, Being able to turn a Rite of Flame or a Tinder Wall into whatever colors I need. Uh, it's also yeah. really good after a Jessica's will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've that's hit this huge. off of a Jessica's yeah. will, and I'm just like, oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I mean that's like genuinely for anyone who's played like a lot of Jessica's will. You you know that that you have to have the deck built sort of a specific way, or have a bunch of two mana rocks in it for it always to pay off the way you really need it to um, during games. And sometimes that conversion factor can be the reason not even to play the card. But with this deck, you know, being able to convert that into a metamorphos is actually yeah. Uh, one of my that was easily one of my favorite features of this. So overall, green really is kind of the fuel. I feel mm-hmm. like I would call it. Um, and it's also like I noticed with like a lot of these more proactive lists, especially ones playing like Culling the Week or Diabolic Intent and stuff like that. With mm-hmm. some of the like pure Grixis decks or even uh, like Blue Farm, there's a lot of situations where you're like, okay, well, I don't really want to be sacrificing creatures because they're all kind of generic value creatures, right? But right. I think that be- equation becomes a lot easier when you're sort of naturally playing these dorks anyway, right? Like, think about how good Calling the Week would be if you could just sack a two-mana rock to do it, right? Right. And now we have, like, Birds of Paradise, Ignoble, Ragavan, stuff like that. Or I guess Ragavan, you know, um, but Birds, Ignoble, Tinderwall at times, if you don't want to use and a half, right? To be able to con- make these conversions in a, in a much more natural way, right? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with uh wholeheartedly and one of the things that i think is really interesting especially when i look over here is the dorks are 
and I think this is a topic that we got to broach at some point. Yeah. Uh, anybody who looks at these lists are going to immediately go, hey, you guys uh, aren't running very many mana dork. Uh, yeah. What's going on? And basically, you know, I, I know for me is that I personally really don't like mana dork. Uh, especially when you're playing a deck that needs to be able to convert uh, post nas. And so having these cards that can't immediately turn themselves into mana yep. or, you know, provide value on the turn that you're playing them yep. uh, to me was, OK, I am going to play the two best ones, which is Tinderwall, which can you use it immediately. Right. And Birds of Paradise, which just. Is one of those cards that I feel like you kind of have to play. I don't sure. love playing it, but you know, it, it color fixes like, you in a way yeah. that you, other cards can't. 90% of the time on turn one, by playing a Birds of Paradise, you are saving a card, right? Because a lot of people make these conversions like right of flame into a talisman, right? For turn right. one plays. It's like, okay, you just, you know, if you miss a land drop, you did the equivalent of, of just playing a land there by expending two cards, right? Um, and Birds is, is that, but just less aggressive of a conversion and the flexibility of being able to provide man of any color i think is often worth the potential downsides of not having a hasty kind of production right right i definitely agree with you uh so let's let's go through these lists here a little bit so tell me about minskin boo uh minskin boo is a card that you were talking about uh mm -hmm. you're playing it now i think well, before we get too deep into that, I think it's very interesting to look at. Let's see how many cards off we are for me, uh, okay. because I know we are. There's already a handful of cards that I can just look at and be like, we're different. Uh, let's see. here. Our, our different is we're about 22 cards different. Yeah. Um, I think big thing is you're on an ISO rev package, right? Then that's, uh, I'm on an ISO rev and then bring delight and beseech the mirror package. Yeah. So yep. that's the, the big difference. Yeah. Um, I can get behind bring delight. I definitely want to test it at some point. Um, I always get nervous about producing the fifth color, you know? Yeah. But I guess with things like dockside doesn't really matter as much. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I feel about it when you have stuff like dockside and then you're also playing like Manamorphos and then a yeah. billion rocks. I'm just kind of like, eh, it, not much of an effort. we'll get there yeah <laughs> yeah for we sure we'll figure it out uh so take me through this list uh yeah. let's kind of you know the the obvious cards like invasion of icoria guess what it's a good tutor fellow yeah. fellows fellow use uh, four, four, uh, four mana dockside is four mana dockside right like that is yeah, <laughs> yeah so I, I guess, yeah we, we'll talk about mitsubu which is uh i mean the the tldr version the thing that sells you on the card is like every other turn this is, well, I mean, first of all, uh, it's eight damage over combat divided by two turns, right? So, i.e., mm -hmm. play Minskin Boo, make Boo a 4 4 swing because it has haste, right? Uh, and trample. Relevant. Right. Next turn, go to combat, attack with Minskin Boo. Eight damage on the table, right? Uh, you then use the minus two ability, sack a creature. When you do, deals X damage to any target, and then you draw cards equal to power, right? So, Every other turn, you're putting eight damage on the board, sacrificing Boo, drawing four cards off of it, and dealing four damage to a creature. Vis-a-vis, draw four cards, removal spell, eight damage worth of pressure on the board every other turn. 
that's like a lot. I mean, removal spell plus draw four every other turn is yeah. enough of a sell, right? Like, so that's that is the card, right? It is. I think it's like comparable to cards like Tally, and I think it's comparable to okay. to some other stuff that exists, right? I mean, it's a planeswalker, so it's a little squishier, right? Right. Um, and it definitely doesn't give you that like instant speed draw that other things do, but like it's got that consistency, it's got that guarantee. Um, I haven't played with it a like ridiculous amount, uh, but I've definitely played with it enough to see that the card puts in a lot of work, right? Yeah. Um, and it's and the fact just, that the 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 boo token just always comes back. Come back uh, yep. is is really really nice right it's it's that's what i'm saying it's that consistency that's what makes it very strong right like i mean t- think about how long it takes the one ring to get you four cards right this right. will uh for the first i want to say because one ring draws you three cards for the first two turns Third and then turn. it goes up to three turn three and then seven so it draws you 10 cards over four turns this draws you eight cards over four turns and gets you them sooner so like Right, it is comparable to the One Ring, and think about how dominant that card is. In the I think game, comparing right? it to the One Ring makes a lot of sense. I think that's yeah. a good comparison. Yeah, um, and also it doesn't hurt you; it hurts them. <laughs> it hurts yeah, your that's a that's a huge also bonus. Cool. Having the removal like stapled <laughs> yeah. onto that is yeah. really really nice. Yeah, that's the big sell. I think like if it was just the card draw, I'd be like, okay, like whatever. But it's also like think about how many times the most problematic creature on the board has not had four toughness or less. I, I can't think of very many until you get to like Tivit for it. But then like right. okay. Yeah, y'all invest another turn into it. Or, you know, just recognize the fact that Tivit's not gonna get right. right. <laughs> um but I think uh, I think the card's actually pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. You have you have at least you have piqued my curiosity. Uh let's go down here into the creatures you got here. <laughs> uh you are running the Kinnon package, uh, mm-hmm. which I should say is the least surprising thing that I have ever seen out of you. Um, I mean, genuinely, though, like, I, I think it's just like if I am playing green in a Nas deck, like I have a hard time not including Kinnon because like just converting all of our rocks, doubling up our dock sides, like all of that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, for me, I think, yeah, Kinnon has the nice grind basalt package, right? But like, even if I'm running, uh, you know, just birds and ignoble for that thing plus Dockside, plus all of my mana rocks. I just, there's, there's so many opportunities for Kinnon to just, you know, if we are forced to go in the Thrasios plan, it will double mana, mana there, right? But if we're going and trying to explode or go off with the Sabretooth or, you right. know, try and pop off with Hullbreaker, which we'll talk about in a minute, like any of those opportunities are explicitly powerful with Kinnon. And I just feel like it's, it's like kind of necessary to go off with it. You know? Yeah. Sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. A lot of the uh, other Thras file lists out there are running Kinnon Basalt lines. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, those are very strong, powerful lines. Yeah. Uh, you are on Phantasmal Image in this list, yeah. which uh, I, <laughs> I, I must note is very different for you since the uh, recent printing of, I forget what the name of it is, but from Doctor Who. That's uh, right, so <laughs> what is it? As Max calls it, throat goat. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what is your thought about Phantasmal Image here? Is it just that it's a pip less? Uh, yeah, it's, it's literally just for the pip. Um, okay. it, you, you could easily sway me on the week, depending on which one I want to play. Blue is a very heavy color in the deck, um, so it's not like the craziest thing in the world to have double blue. But this is a lot more... I, I would say this deck is very akin to tempo. I will also say that it mainly combos off with Dockside through Sabretooth, which in uh, Sabretooth can work with Thin Image, right? 
So right. unlike um, other dockside lines that normally need to target the creature that they're bouncing, like with MEL, mm-hmm. uh, Vimage does not need that. So you're you're kind of yeah. safe to uh, take this alternate. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and then Kalyan in here, always a good card, never a bad yeah, one. I, I like drawing cards, and, and therefore I will jam as many card draw engines as I can into a deck, even if it's yes. more aggressively. <laughs> and so I, I have to ask about this because yes. I personally don't like Team or Saber too. Mm. Um, so sell me on Team or Saber in this because I'm personally yeah. I look at that and I go that is ancient tech, it's old. Give me, give me, give me the new good stuff. And you're playing Isochron Scepter? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Listen. Take your cane and go no. play tennis with the I, other retirees. Isochron <laughs> Scepter has, has become so old that it's swung back around to be oh new again. Oh my god. Get out of here. <laughs> so, so, so what's the, what's yeah, the I mean, logic? The, the Sabertooth line is super resilient, right? Like that is 100% yeah. it is that it is just a clean if you have five mana, you you make it kind of thing, right? Like it yeah. is it is very easy. It has very minimal requirements for the deck. It's a lot less clunky than Cloudstone. It's a lot less yeah. clunky than Baron. Um, you know, I, I think it's just the cleanest oxide line in these colors. And I think ignoring the infinite mana creature combos in this deck is ignoring an entire reason to play this archetype. Yeah, that's fair. You you have easy infinite mana outlets and you have a pivot, right? Like your your whole strategy is like. Yeah, I'm going to do the, the four-color Terminos thing. But also, if there is hate for instance sorceries or graveyard hate and stuff like that, it's like, cool, I do not care. I'm going to go tutor my really hard-to-counter creatures, and then I'm going to go off because you guys fed my Dockside, right? Like, And it's not, once again, five is not a huge requirement for Dockside at all. Right. Um, and <laughs> Hell, that's Dockside. a turn one Dockside half yeah, the time. Yeah, exactly. So then it turns Dockside into a turn, uh, a two-turn, or two-card combo in the deck. And once again, for two super resilient hard to remove uh and dockside itself is good for that purpose right and then sabertooth also like opens up some lines with like copying your opponent's dockside with the image or with rex metamorph uh it opens up a lot of opportunity but i, I really don't see not with the image because when you target it it no it doesn't that's what, that's what i said earlier i guess it doesn't target oh yeah, that's why Fimage is good in this deck. That's what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. okay. You win this round, Buford. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I had a whole point about that earlier, and you nodded yeah, along. Yeah. Like, yeah, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I definitely process that information. Uh, Hallbreaker Horror has been showing up in more and more of your decks. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this a card that you are increasingly feeling is just an include? Um, no, I think it has to be specific, but if you look at this deck, it has all the recipe pieces to make it specifically appropriate, right? I mean, Dockside plus Hullbreaker is just a very clean combo. The fact that Hullbreaker is uncounterable is absolutely crazy. The fact that this deck in particular can be a little fragile, right? Like Thrasios does not provide you the kind of advantage that Krom is. Yes, dig you out of a situation where you blow up, right? Um, and because of that, you kind of have to rely on these other engines. Now, Holebreaker is one of those things that is resilient and can come down and be like, okay, cool, this is stopping me, this is stopping me, gone, gone, we're going. 
right? And like, right. it's very easy to get to a state where that is a necessary place. Um, now, do I think Holbreaker is an auto include in this archetype? No. Do I think seven off the Nas is always worth it? Probably not. Uh, for for the descriptor of always worth it, right? But um, once again, I, I like having these pivots in the deck, and I think pivoting to the Holbreaker horror when you're sort of down and out. Again, you, you have access to Kinnon, which makes that a lot mm-hmm. cleaner and stuff like that. So, I mean, uh, the bounce house cards, Tyrant and Holebreaker, if I can get them in a deck, I'm trying to nowadays. I, I find them super resilient, super consistent, uh, which is a very admirable attribute in the current metagame. I think you need yeah. stuff that, that can handle the lumps that are going to get thrown at it because CDH gotten tougher. People are playing good, resilient, tough decks nowadays, right? And, and players know what the hell they're doing. So, you have to be able to have cards that can push through some tough situations. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's go down here. Nothing too crazy in the sorceries. Yeah. No. Uh, same thing can be said about the instance. This looks yep. like the most stock of stock instance uh, selection yep. that you could go for. Yeah. Uh, artifacts. <laughs> Artifacts, again, very much what you would expect to see in a deck like this. Yeah, I definitely, uh, if you notice, I push uh, push up the artifact count because I think we want this to be like a really consistent Mox Opal deck. Actually, yep. one of the benefits of playing Thrasios is that you get access to Mox Amber pretty early on in the game. Yeah. Um, if you notice defense grids in there, uh, I think a defense grid effect, Grand Abolisher, Range Captain, defense grid, Dosen, City of Solitude, I think they're necessary nowadays. I think you just need one I per agree. deck. I tend to um, agree. At the very minimum, you need one per deck. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, it's just kind of one of those things you just got to put in your list so that you can push through that final that final attempt at winning, right? So, yeah. Uh, moving on down, we got Breach, we got Rhystic Study, and then yep. 27 lands. Pretty, yep. pretty sizable amount of money. So this is like, this. this feels like when I'm looking at this list. Yeah is closer to Timna Krom in terms of play style. Yeah. And then my list is closer to Rogsai. Yeah, I would definitely be inclined to agree. I, I just can't play those decks, if I'm being honest nowadays. Um, yeah. I mean, like, reputation-wise in general, right? Like, people people don't let me have uh, unmitigated fun, right? <laughs> they're, very, <laughs> they're very there to cap on exactly how much fun I can have, which is fine. Like I get it, right? Like when you when you build up a reputation for picking up a bunch of random cards and then doing well with them, it's like people don't let you have fun. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, but I'm gonna keep trying to have fun, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that occasionally requires me to I'm also on a big card draw kick. Like I don't I, I you know I think you, you, you and like, the rest of the metagame. <laughs> well no and I get that. I get that. But like I, I think I'm taking it to an extreme with my decks, right? Like playing Minskin Boo and Tally and, and One Ring and Ristic and Mystic and you know, the fact that I'm not on Sylvan Library honestly surprises myself. Like I, I like drawing cards. I do, um, and for sure, definitely, definitely pushing it to an extreme level. But at the yeah. same time, I don't want to ever feel like I'm out of a game. And I think stuffing your deck full of card advantage engines is a way where you can feel like, yeah, I'm at least like at least if a spell goes through, it's because I was investing into being able to do more stuff next turn, right? Right. Which, yeah. You know, I'm not saying it's perfect methodology, but uh, it's one that I'm happy with currently. So, yeah. Yours reminds me a lot of uh, of what Kai did with his Thrasios Miara list. Mm hmm. You know, where it's like, yeah, it's a Thrasios deck, technically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what I mean, like that is 100 percent 
how I feel about this. Honestly, I'm you know, one thing I will say immediately when I'm looking at your deck is that I am insanely surprised you're not on grinding. Yes, uh, I probably should be. I think <laughs> part of why I didn't play it was almost entirely because I couldn't find my copy of it. Sick, powerful. And cool. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't test it. So and I'm going to be playing a bunch of paper magic. Yeah. And I want to have the copy to test it with. Okay. So I'm just not going to play it until I find it. And the hello, welcome to How I Brew Decks, hosted yeah. by. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's definitely a part that I felt like was a thing that I wanted to be in here. But like i said i just i couldn't yeah. find my deck list or yeah. my my copy of it so yeah. i just kind of didn't include it mm -hmm. um i will say for this list uh you know I, I mentioned this earlier how yours is much closer to uh blue farm yeah yours is much closer to blue farm mine is very much like a rog sai type of deck <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Uh, and that was very intentional, right? Like yeah. a, a lot of this is I want to see how far I can push green in the turbo yeah. Um, sphere. Yeah. Sphere. And so, you know, like with everything that I do whenever I'm brewing is yeah. I go to the extreme and then I dial yeah. it. Back. Yeah. Um, I will say, I think you've missed the extreme, if I'm being honest. Really? I think okay. I think you've done a good amount of work towards the extreme. I will say like pieces that are missing for me right is like if you're trying to push for this rock side plan the fact that like if my deck can support born and final fortune your deck a thousand percent should be able to as well right like especially final yeah. fortune. um the fact that you're not a necro too is a little surprising to me just because that's another one of these pieces nowadays that is just like you know if, if we are putting our foot on the gas pedal this is how you do it kind of thing. um it, it's weird i i've just not liked the play pattern with necro and born okay um i'm with you but that's also because i tend to play more mid range right yeah so. I, I i think basically the way that i play i i definitely built this in a way that it would like feel good to play sure. um and so like i i really don't love born necro lines i think they're sure. a little clunky yeah um i will say and, final it, at the very least should be. yeah I, I should probably be on finale or or excuse me final fortune uh yeah but you know overall i i think the necro lines can be a little like excusably omitted yeah 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 uh i i'm not a i'm not saying they're bad it's just they, yeah. I, they're not the way that my brain processes storm mm -hmm. um have you also thought about uh, like a city of solitude or, or conqueror's flail or docent or that kind of thing? And just like another version of the effect. Yeah. So I thought about uh, docent a decent uh -huh. bit, and I don't think I, I think I might have tested it in paper, but I don't think I tested it or ever put it in the list. And it was just kind of like giving up the any ability whatsoever to interact on my opponent's turn. Yeah, just felt really bad in like defense grid. I was able to be like, OK, so worst case scenario, I have to pay three mana for this force of will. I can put I can stomach that. Um, 
yeah. not being able having my piece actively stop me and the rest of the table from being able to stop an active win attempt was a thing that I just didn't love having in defense grid. At least you have some plausible deniability. Sure. Uh, not, not much, but <laughs> not a ton, uh, but I can, I can technically see where you're coming. From. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so that was kind of my experience playing. It was, I just, okay. I lost what two games because I accidentally gave somebody a silence when I wasn't able to win. Yeah. Uh, and so it was just kind of one of those things where I was like, eh, I don't love you're like, I never want to do that again. Yeah, yeah. we're done. Uh, so <laughs> fair enough. I, I I think you know those pieces are played for with that gamble in mind, right? Like you don't yes. play a Rogsai esque strategy without recognizing sometimes you're going to. Um. <laughs> well, and part of the 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 logic behind playing Thrasios uh, instead of Rog is the idea that you can kind of go all in and a lot of the yeah. same opening hands. Yeah, but you have a kind of an oh shit valve in the command zone yep so if things go real sideways it's like all right fine we're gonna draw some cards and yeah. so that is kind of the the thought yeah. process there for sure yeah i can get behind that i gotta ask about the reservoir yes uh adaflux reservoir great great uh storm payoff unnecessary storm payoff though Maybe not necessary. Uh, that's, it's probably kind of a, a card yeah. that you could cut. Um, I think part of why I, and again, this was a lot of, uh, you know, there were pieces in here like exploration that I cut. You know, there was, yeah. there was a lot of, for not to be a pun, not to give a pun here, but, you know, a lot of exploration in sure. trying to see. Yeah, what I mean, you the, can any deck takes work. a little trial and error for sure. Yeah. Uh, and either flux reservoir is a card that I'm still kind of like, I like it. I don't like it. One of the things I really like yeah. about it is the fact that you can just ISO rev for the win without needing like anything other than a soul. Like you just need two mana and mm -hmm. you got it. So it's, it does offer a clean win. It's a clunky win, but though I don't love that aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's one of those cards that I tested, and yeah. don't. It was never bad enough that it cut it, but is, it was never good enough that I felt like, let's go. Uh, yeah, no, and that's and that's very fair. I wonder if maybe like swapping that out for like a Frexian Metamorph is like nearly, yeah, a perfect switch there, right? Because you end up in scenarios where you can like. Uh, and so it becomes the second copy of your ice rev, right? Yeah. Um, or your ice crown scepter. Um, you can print other th things into it. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a number of different lines you can go from there. You can, you can infinite swan song, right? Um, make your infinite bird army. Uh, and if you don't want to go down that lane, if you want something more immediate, uh, you can always put snap underneath it and just snap your bowmasters back to your hands infinitely. Right. Like, um, so I'm, I'm, I feel like that's yeah. A I think that the, one I think one switch. You know, that's a pretty good switch that I couldn't get behind, especially yeah. because of the fact that, as opposed to copy artifact, yeah, you can use it more like proactively. Yeah, yeah, like it, it doesn't end up being for just one thing, and that's one of the things I never really liked about yeah. copy artifact. 
I will say one one thing that I do really at least like appreciate about Bowmasters is that I've been able to have discussions like this more often where Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, it's kind of a shite card for the format in general. But like it's been really nice to have a really cool secondary outlet for a lot of our decks to be able to be like, okay, and then you just bounce Bowmasters over. Right. Like I do that with Tevesh Krom, like 90 percent of the time, if I if I'm worried about my opponents, like trying to draw me out with breach stuff, I'll be like, yeah, I'll just get Holebreaker plus Bowmasters and I'll ping you death and they're like oh man we were gonna try and deck you and i was like ah gotcha <laughs> you know so i don't know if that's actually an argument for or against bowmasters but i think like it's 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 nice as someone who likes infinite bounce stuff to be able to be like okay we don't have to play bad cards just uh yeah just to fill in this like but what if you know yeah you it's also nice just have that... infinite mill to like uh mnemonic portrayal your opponent's entire decks too right so like that's, right. that's part of it. yeah uh bowmasters is a card that i i just I like the card. I'm glad that it exists Ooh, to some that, degree. That, that uh, makes one of us. <laughs> well, okay. So here's my, my general opinion on Bowmasters is yep. I think that what it does is it kind of weeds out some of the like decks that are a little too gimmicky. Uh, and I appreciate that about it. Um, I think I, that's an interesting take, <laughs> I will say. Well, I, I think, it, it, it's one yeah. of those things where there, there's a lot of, you know, I think about a deck like Magda that's, you know, at, at any given point, uh, Orcish Bowmasters away from being irrelevant. And uh, that is a thing that I do like. Uh, overall, I think the card is not great for the meta but like i think the card has pushed people to think a little bit more like deeply about how we play our decks and it's tightened up a lot of stuff that was maybe looser you know uh six or seven months ago yeah that's interesting i'm i'm also just talking so you know yeah, I, I think for me, it just like it, I, I would argue that it hurts diversity more than it provides a benefit. Like, I, yeah. I don't know that decks like Magda were a problem that needed to be solved. Right. Like, yeah, like I, like, I, I never thought Magda was like, oh, God, Magda's running around and everyone's like, you know, if there are some real anti stacks haters out there, like, sure, good for you. You, you. you took it down a peg. Right. But like. I don't know that that needed to happen. I think Stacks was a really nice balancing force for the format, and it prevented a lot of what we're seeing now, which is like the Ristic walling. You know, so like, I, yeah, I, I actually think Stacks has been actively bad for the format for a very long time. Well, I, that's that's a full disagree here, but I'm interested the, on that one. So the logic there is the reason why I think that Stacks has been, and this is coming from somebody who has played a lot of Stacks, uh-huh. is that it's the, still the same fundamental issue that we have now. And it's kind of just always been true is that stacks is always one board wipe away from handing the game to somebody else. And maybe that's an oversimplification. But I I think I I think in commander, it's a lot harder to pull stacks off success. And the reason being is you have to have a lot of redundancy for effects that either 
one, you're playing a super fair deck that doesn't break parity on your stacks. And so you're just playing super fair and you're just like, we're just going to turn it sideways and play good Christian magic. Or B, you are playing a deck that can take advantage of it. And there's not a whole lot of those that exist. Um, and so basically what I'm getting at is that my experience with stacks over the years has been that stacks doesn't balance anything. All stacks does is make games longer and open specific windows for players to that are not the stacks player to get the win. Uh, because stacks has historically not done very good at converting stacks effects into wins, with the exception being Winota. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I will. I will argue that's. I don't know that that's an issue of the like. I think the biggest fault of the archetype is being difficult, right? Like that doesn't mean that it's objectively incorrect as it in its very existence, right? You're, like, I hear you, but I've been watching people try to figure out the stacks thing for like almost ten years at this point. Sure. Right. Like I, I've been watching people try to figure out like, oh, OK, we'll do this stacks thing. or We'll do that stacks yeah. thing. I've seen every version of stacks Cobblepot has built, and I've seen every version of stacks that, you know, uh, other people have built. Sure. You know, it, none of them have been terribly impressing. And the I mean, the, I would argue that like Winota and Jetmir both were very impactful. In the format. I think I mean, Winota was very good and very impactful. I yeah. think Jetmir is like cool. I don't know that I would say that it's like a impactful deck. I would, um, I'm saying it it was able to before the printing of Bowmasters, it was able to show up, have presence, be through multiple pilots, and like actually have some top results here and there, right? Sure. Um, but I think like the vast majority of it though is stacks is like the Kingmaker archetype. And like I think that has kind of just always been true. This is coming from somebody who has been a stacks player for a very, 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 very long time. So like, I, I just, it doesn't turn the corner. And unless you're playing a deck that is able to turn the corner and utilize those. Is that not more of a problem with the deck building process of people building stacks decks than it is the archetype? Okay. So, but here's the internal tension of, why it's hard to do that no matter what mm-hmm. and this is kind of why winota was a good stack stack yeah is winota's way it, of the, the table right yeah like, staxing out the board was also what turned the corner right yeah, and so those things worked in tandem yeah that can't no other stack stack did that or does that and think about like uh you know any any like so if i want to play stacks in blue black right for example uh so like blue black x whatever and you know any number of colors so i want to have because i want to have access to thos's work and or or and uh monic consultation i want that in my deck this is the thing that i've tried and you now have to answer some pretty fundamental questions about what your stacks game plan is Am I playing rule of law? Am I playing anti ETB? And am I playing 
anything that's going to shut. Am I going to play humility effects? Am I going to play uh, chalice of the void effects? You're now like reducing the amount of stacks effects you're able to play in a deck archetype that needs a lot of stacks effects to be effective. Sure. And so the more you do that, the harder it becomes to play an effective stacks deck. Because after a certain point, you just become a watered-down mid-range. And so, for me, unless there are some really compelling commanders out there that I'm not seeing outside of Winota, I think Stacks has kind of just always been this thing where you either have to overcommit to it to the point where, and have a commander and a game plan that can, like, put pressure on the board. I would even say like the like Charles's Heliod deck, like at minimum, it made creatures so it could at least swing. Right. Yeah. So it, like at least did something. But most of the stacks decks that I have ever seen in my life outside of Winota just kind of are like, here's a stacks piece. All right. I've won the game. And then Cyclonic Rift resolves and the game's over. Yeah. I want I I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And and I, you know, I I think Charles and I went on record many times talking about stacks, saying about 10 percent of stacks pilots actually get how to pilot stacks correctly. Right. And not as like a condescending thing, but just as generally like it is an extremely fucking hard thing to do. Right. And it is it is very difficult to pilot to the highest percentile because you have to be playing predictive math. Right. Like you have to be doing the thing that like. Um, you know, I will always bring this back to uh, competitive Pokemon, right? Competitive doubles Pokemon. And I've talked about this a couple of times uh, with people and on the channel and stuff like that, where it's a game where you have to, you know, for, for those who don't have context, you, you bring a team of six Pokemon. You only bring forward of the game. You have to pick which two are in front, which two are in back. Mm-hmm. But not only do you have to picture your own game plan, predict how that's going to work. You also have to predict what your opponent's game plan is going to be. You have to predict what they're going to send in, what they're going to leave on the bench, what they're going to place in front, what they're going to place in back what they could do every single turn because each Pokemon has two different moves, all of that stuff. Right. Right. Not until I got pretty okay at doing that. Did I feel like, Oh my God, I actually get how to mulligan with that stuff. Right. But that's mm-hmm. a giant ass compared to like, Oh, can I tutor for an ad in this hand? Right. With a backup. That's it, it's just different. Right. So once again, I, I just think it's a matter of what you need to ask from the deck. So you, while I understand like the patterns that you're talking about have not been, uh as as easy throughout the years once again i think like go back and my my previous point of like i think the the biggest offense stacks has ever really given the format is just being hard to play mm-hmm. yeah no i i agree with what you're saying like i don't disagree with you necessarily but i think my like i i think the only place where i really dis disagree is is i don't look at that and say Oh, well, that's not a knock on stacks. That's a knock on like, like people just have a hard time playing it. I look at it and I go, I think that if your skill level is that high, we, you know, we kind of talk about this when we're ranking decks, right? Well, so if your this, skill level is that yeah. high where it's only like the top like 1% of players can effectively play it, is sure. that an effective archetype overall? No, no and, but the original argument was not whether it's an effective archetype or not, it's whether its existence as an archetype was good for the format or not. Right. Oh, well, yeah. But again, I think that if, you know, if I have 100 players who are playing an archetype or for the sake of saying two, I'll give you the top two percent. If I have 100 players that are playing an archetype and even yeah. the top 10 are the only ones who are any good at it. 
and then everyone like, else shafts the game. And, then, and, then yeah, everybody involved. else does terribly with it. And like, is it an effective archetype? Right. And so that's that's where I is that good yeah. for the metagame? No, and I get that. And I get. I could argue the same about Turbo Nas, but I think we start getting into like pedantics at that point. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I definitely like. I, I, I see all the sides to it. It's just yeah. it, it's is somebody maybe I'm just old and bitter, where maybe I turned thirty and I just got bitter, and you know this is what every everybody does when they get old. But like, listen, I, I just have played so much stacks in my time, and I've won a lot of games on stacks. Yeah. But I've also just sat there and I've I've watched how people just overreact to stacks pieces and how people, you know, or how people overreach with their stacks pieces. Yeah. And it just it's exhausting to the point where I'm just like, I don't even know that I think this is even viable. Yeah, uh, I guess at the same time, like. You know, it, it, we're, and with, with Bowmaster's impact specifically, like it's not even just stacks that's affected, is the other problem. That's true. Right? It is like creature combo and mid range and green decks and in general. And like, I don't know that like I ever thought, you know, the the play patterns of Elvish Mystic into a Thrasios hold up a counter spell. Like, those are never the play patterns that I'm concerned about in Magic Gathering, right? Like, those right. are the play patterns where I'm like, okay, they're here to play an interactive game of Magic, right? Uh, the stuff that I'm uh, I'm disappointed that that is discouraged because we are encouraged to play more greedy archetypes, right? Like I miss having the point where if you're like, okay, Blue Farm, if you want to punish my green deck, what you have to do is play Curse Totem or a Board Wipe. Right. I miss that restriction. It's like, no, yeah. no, I just have to play this card that's already working towards my strategy and also giving me proactive value and also punishing these people for drawing cards and also, you know, actually putting yeah. a clock on the table and turning my wheels into Winkage. Like, I will I will gladly concede my point on Orcish Boatmasters. <laughs> uh, that is that is not a hill that I feel that strongly about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh the the stacks thing I was willing to, to go into. Yeah, no, that's super fair. That's, a thing think, that, that's an that's yeah. an opinion that I feel very strongly. Yeah, yeah. And I think we inadvertently stumbled into a very juicy conversation for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh our our conversation about Thrasios Vile Smasher turned into a is stacks good. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and is bowmasters a pain in the butt <laughs> uh yeah i i i i see all of that and i i think it's super valid um but yeah i i mean one thing i will say uh playing this deck before we kind of get too far off from it is uh i this is the lowest land cow i have ever played in a magic deck at 26 it feels, weird, doesn't it? It yeah. feels real weird yeah. uh and but the <laughs> amount of just stupid opening hands you get yep where like all of the games that i've won which i think i'm like six and three on the deck mm -hmm. uh overall uh be like if i'm counting like games on this particular version of it right yeah um my like experience with it was is it was just like oh turn turn to turn two i'm just going for it like every single fucking game what the yeah. fuck um and so that that that's been very different for me because i'm very used to playing the slow conservative yeah uh, you know old school magic mm -hmm. uh game plan which is still my favorite way of playing the game yeah but it's been interesting so <sighs> i literally went to boot up one hand with the deck and it was like turn on risk study turn two docks and i was like holy shit. <laughs> 
<laughs> what my deck or yours? Yeah, yours, yours. Yeah, yeah. The 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 opening hands you get with this are kind of wild because it's like like this one here is just like a nothing burger, right? Um, yeah. But let me let me look at a different one. Like this this opening this is like one of those opening hands where I was talking about where it's just like oh I got summer bloom in my opening hand. Hmm. Uh, granted, I only have two lands, so maybe this isn't as good as I thought. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, let's go down to six. You go down to six. Hey, look. No, oh, yep, cracked. <laughs> that, that, that one does it. Uh, yeah. So it's just that's the other thing too is I wanted to play a deck like this too that made me have to practice mulliganing because yeah. I think that I've gotten so used to playing like here's a bunch of good cards. Your first seven are usually good. Uh, yeah. So. That's been my experience with it, but yeah. Uh, sales, give me, give me the, uh, give me the elevator pitch on why people should play Thrasfile. Uh, hey, there, kids! Wow, it's been a, it's been a crazy week. Welcome to the Mind Sculptors. This is how to play and why to play Thrasios File Smasher. I'm your host, Ian the Convincer. Now, you might be sitting there at home going, well, I got Blue Farm. What, what else would I need with your Thrasioses and your, and your vials? And yeah, hey, look, I get it. I do. I really do. But uh, hey, you know, what's the last time you uh, made infinite mana with your, with your Blue Farm? I don't think so. No, get out of here. What, Timna costs three mana? The, the Thrasios costs two. What are you doing? Uh, come on. <laughs> you playing, what are you doing, playing, guy? What are you doing? <laughs> playing in the Stone Ages over there. Uh, oh, hey, you like having one right of flame? We got two. <laughs> so uh, uh suck on those that's all i got you want you want rob call Rackford now also? for your second ride of flame if you yeah. like one call now and we'll get you two we'll double it for the same yeah, price we got, we got a bogo deal here on right of flames yeah um the kinnon <laughs> player keeping you down calling ritual they're gonna cry they're gonna actually weep at the table i don't know what to do do you hate it when you gnaws and all you have is a bunch of lands and you don't know what to do with it Check out <laughs> uh, oh man, I got all this red mana, but that can't cast me an ad nose. Oh, look at this metamorphose. Hey, G Willikers guy. <laughs> oh, it also draws me a cod. <laughs> oh yeah, wow. Hey, look at that. Who we? Oh jeez. Oh man, I'm I'm playing Rogside. I'm having all this trouble tutoring my Dockside. What? I've got 17 fucking cards that do that in this deck? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> On it puts them straight into the battlefield. That's awesome, boss. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. I don't know why I had decided. I think I've been watching too much Harley Quinn. Where yeah, it's just you, like you've the, got a, You definitely got that kind of vibe going on for sure. Definitely uh, developed the henchman vibe over here. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, this has been an interesting deck to to kind of play around with. I, yeah. I I don't know that I'm going to take this to Cincinnati. I haven't really landed on what I'm going to play in Cincinnati. You have not or have? I have not. I have some ideas, but I haven't really landed on anything yet. Sure. And, uh, you know, I I think it's just I kind of want to play a few more games with Mm -hmm. a handful of decks that I'm working on. See how they go. But uh, with that being said, what are your kind of closing thoughts for us, uh, Bart Smasher? Uh, Yeah, you know, I uh, genuinely I think uh, this archetype is pretty under respected right now. I think Mm -hmm. uh, Cal's versions definitely got some stuff cooking. 
And, uh, you know, mine's definitely a lot more of that grind plan for sure. Uh, I think the fact that you can play both options and I think pretty viably is, is something to be said about these commanders. Um, I think the ability to, you know, have your swats, your guardianships, your, uh, Rolex on as early as turn one is mm-hmm. pretty strong in the current metagame. Um, you have a lot of grind engines of these colors. You have a lot of explosivity in these colors. You have a lot of like time out of tech in these colors. So I think a lot of a lot of really interesting spice going on here i think uh thrasios file is is you know people are starting to get it but uh it's it's probably just one of those like i i don't know i don't get it i don't get i, I think people just read the the thing on the back of the medicine bottle that says like you play blue farm and it's like okay what about the other one <laughs> right mm-hmm. like, this feels like the yeah. other one you know yeah, uh, it, it, it's definitely, I feel like people have just decided we only play Blue Farm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like there are other decks out there that are just as good. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, there you are know, other decks also, out there that are just as good as Rogsai. I'm telling you. Yeah. And honestly, I've been talking to people who like have been looking at the Idris a lot lately, right? And a lot of them are like, yeah, I barely ever cast Yidris. And it's like, okay, what if you had Yidris, but also cheap and turns on your stuff and also is an infinite mana outlet and also, uh, <laughs> you know, is ready to doesn't be immediately like, die because people really die. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, mm, uh, so, there might be something here. What, you if, know? what if you were playing that exact same deck, but had good commanders instead? Uh, <laughs> leave him alone. He's a precious boy. Listen, I love Yidris too. You're, yeah, no, you're talking with a fellow Yidris lover, but uh, Yidrishan. I I know a I I know a dead horse when I see one. Uh, uh, <laughs> fair enough. Ian, uh, what? Let me let me tell you. Let me ask you this. I mean, now that we're we're wrapping up, are you drunk? Uh, <laughs> What's happening here? <laughs> so my mouth hurts a little bit. Um, for the view, for the listeners and viewers at home, I went to the dentist today. Oh, and, that's right. Uh, I had a, a deep, uh, cleaning. So just like everything right around my teeth just kind of hurts a little bit more than usual. Mm. Uh, and by it hurts a little bit more than usual, I mean, just hurts. Uh, so, uh, where can people find you? What do you do? All that stuff. Tell us which, what's going on yeah. for the the farts, fartsios and butt smasher. You know how it be. Um, where it's out there smashing farts, butt and butts, butts. Uh, no, hey everybody, butts and uh, butts and butts and butts. And butts. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, uh, you can find me over at youtube.com slash comedian MTG. You can also email me at comedian MTG at gmail.com. You can uh, find me on discord, Twitter, all those things you can find over my channel. Um, we do CDH coaching, which is pretty cool. Uh, I think two years running the most wins with more diverse decks than, uh, anyone in the space right now, which is pretty sick. Uh, hoping to keep that accolade going through 2024. Um, you know, there was a period there where I was like playing, playing some similar decks over and over again. I mean, definitely like still switching it up between like four or five different decks but uh you know i'm I'm kind of trying to get back to that that root of like hey you know i love performing well but also i'm a brewer at the end of the day too right so right i keep pushing that stuff i don't want to ever like feel stale in cdh and i'm gonna keep you know pushing for those wins so yeah. uh working on a lot of different archetypes my mox field is insane lately like just so many different decks um so that's something i've been working on a lot and uh hoping to fill up the maybe the patreon with with a little bit of those uh, at some point and fix that up 
but yeah, I mean, uh, also thank you for checking this out. Everybody who is here, Cal and I love doing this week after week. So, uh, you should check out the Patreon there. Please, please do that. Uh, <laughs> I, I like that. I get, uh, at least one hour a week with my best friend. So, <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, like like you said, head over to the Patreon. We greatly appreciate it. We'll have a relaunch of the Patreon with like new tiers and stuff at the beginning of the year. Hell yeah. Um, I'm going to be at SCG Cincinnati first weekend of January. Which I will uh, probably be at too. Yeah, so you can catch us there. Uh, you can also catch us at Magicon Chicago in February, where mm-hmm. you can come see the Mind Sculptors live and in person. Uh, I I I think it would be so much fun to do a live episode like on site. Uh, I don't know how that w- would be possible, but I'd love to do it so badly. That would be uh, very entertaining. We can we can yes, it would be so much fun. Uh, yeah, I love that. But yeah, so thank you for listening to the podcast. And I think how I I'm going to to end this episode okay. is uh, give me your best like which which is the better pairing? Is it Butzios and uh, take your your Krama? Or is it Butzios and Fart Smasher? I what in the fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> I just You're said is good. <laughs> I just said some words. Yeah, okay. In order, thick, and asked you to tell me which words in that order were better. Yeah, if I had to uh, offer my professional opinion on the matter, I would say. Uh, you know, um, I would uh, for sure. Oh, shoot, we're out of time. Gotta go. Oh, Bye. yeah, everybody. Catch you later. <laughs>